0: All right, everyone, so this episode is actually requested from some of our patrons, and they wanted us to talk a little bit about maintenance-related mishaps, right? Uh, A lot of times when we see mishaps, we hear it was the pilot's fault, or it's some kind of environmental factor that led to it being the pilot's fault, but sometimes or another it's caused by maintenance. I'm not exactly sure the exact statistic about how much of it is caused by maintenance, but that was something one of our patrons asked to do, so we're going to dive into two particular stories about some maintenance-related incidents, and thankfully for these two incidents we're going to talk about, no one was killed, <laughs> and we kind of don't want to talk much about stuff where people actually die, or do we don't want any yeah. incidents at all for that, for that matter, but
1: yeah, yeah. And not 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 trying to get super grim on this, you know. These are just uh, fortunate. These are ones where it was only uh, asset damage and not uh, personnel injury or loss of life.
0: Right, or if there was injury, like uh, it's survivable. It's survivable. I mean, they, they might have some like their injuries that that you know they 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 have a lasting effect, but they're not um, they're not gonna kill you or like you're con- confined to a wheelchair for the rest of your life. So uh, one of the stories we we're talking about, this was actually an F16 that crashed in California in May of 2019. and the the summary goes on May 16, 2019, at around 3 pm local, a F16 uh, was flying, had a hydraulic failure, and then crashed into a warehouse about... About a few nautical miles, like less than like a point four nautical miles away from the runway, which it was intended to land on. And it goes a little bit about the background of the plane. Like uh, this was at a reserve base and the aircraft that that were in question, it was two of them. And they were practicing like uh, alert drills. Like uh, you're on call. This is like this is the signal you're going to get when there's an emergency. So. They're kind of like yeah, re- the red phone
1: rings, right? I've heard yeah. you mention the red phone before. Like that's the, the red phone rings.
0: Yep. Now, uh, contrary to a lot, a lot of people believe the red phone is not from the president. I mean, I'm sure there's a phone that's specifically for the president for specific um, generals and, and commands and agencies and whatnot. But for almost every unit has an air code red phone. But that's more for like in case of emergencies, right? Like it only rings because of an emergency. Like there's no buttons, there's no dials. It's just a phone with a headset. And it's like one of those 1950 style red phones that that light up when it rings. It's actually kind of cool when you see it, but like as far as a drill is concerned, but not in real life, that would actually kind of (laughs) suck. But anyway, so the... This F, the F-16 in question, there was two F-16s actually and it was doing a, a alert drills and they got the call, they, they went through all their motions to actually get the drill going. Everything up to that point was spot on. Like the inspections were fine, the pre-flights were fine, the pilots executed their checklist fine and the aircraft took off as expected. And the aircraft that actually crashed was the Dash 2 or the wingman of this two plane section. They flew out to the training area. They did a couple of uh, training missions and maneuvers here and there. And the whole time it was doing the training mission, they had no, no problems, no problems whatsoever. And then it was on their way back to base where they started having issues where the pilot the that pilot in question started noticing a little bit of fluctuations in his hydraulic pressure. Sometimes it'll be like, Plus or minus a hundred. And say, like, okay, whatever, that happens normally. Then plus or minus a thousand. Okay, that's terrible, but not too terrible. And then at some and then as he's getting closer to the base, now it starts spiking plus or minus two thousand. Like, oh, okay, that's not good. <laughs> now, for anyone who's never had any type of experience on a plane, plus or minus two thousand anything is terrible. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's pretty bad. You know, I mean, most hydraulic pressure systems is probably like plus or minus a hundred, maybe a thousand, depending on the system and at what point in the system is being used. Right. Yeah,
1: but- I was gonna say. I guess for me, I'm not. I don't have any really any fighter background, but to me, even plus or minus a hundred sounds extreme. Yeah, I'm used to seeing like plus or minus. 40 psi, you know what I mean? Right. Like that's okay. We can hit, we can manage that. 100, you start, you know, returning to base or, or finding the nearest airport to land.
0: Right. And the good part was he was actually on his way to base when all this started happening. And then once he started seeing plus or minus 2000, I'm like, oh, okay, we're having a problem here. So he starts radioing, like, hey, he didn't call an emergency right off the bat. He's like, hey, I'm having some hydraulic problems. You guys might want to have. Might a crash crew on standby just in case this stuff goes south, which is normal operating procedure for any flight, right? Because the second you call the emergency, everyone starts flipping their wigs, right? Like, oh my God, what happened? You know, they start already assuming the worst, like bad shit already happened versus like it's going to happen. Yeah, the minute you call the
1: fire brigade to be on standby, that, uh, that perks a lot of people up and gets their uh, attention and oftentimes a lot of unwanted attention.
0: Yes, a lot of them want attention. I mean, there's stories where MVP and I we just called. Well, I guess if you go by a color code system, like green is good, red is bad, it'd be kind of be like this, cold yellow, ish scenario. Mm-hmm. Just even like that little scenario, everyone starts flipping out. Like, why is the why is there a code whatever? Why is there a yellow? Why are we in yellow phase? What is going on? Like, what crashed? What got hurt? Is everyone safe and this and that? Like, oh, timeout, man. Like, slow down. Let the situation develop before we start asking past tense questions, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so going back to this story, so like he's at plus or minus, he's like uh, having pressure fluctuations about 2000 PSI. And then he starts going through his checklist and he turns on the APU or the auxiliary power unit, which is standard procedure for most in-flight emergencies where you start losing hydraulic pressure or you start having hydraulic fluctuations. And normally, when an APU kicks on, you're supposed to have a, a little bit of a spike on hydraulic pressure because that in, it's introducing another element into the hydraulic system. But when he turned it on, it was like nothing. He had, had like no change in in any of his gauges whatsoever. And we're like, ooh, fuck, here we go. That's when he declared the in-flight emergency. He radios towers like, "Hey, my APU's on. I'm not getting any change in hydraulic pressure. It's still fluctuating or dropping." So yeah, you might want to get, um, standby guys up here in the near you, or like very quickly. And some, air, some airports, depending on the style of airplanes that are around, they have like an arrest cable, kind of like, um, aircraft carriers. It's just so like the airplane can hit, it doesn't, I don't think F-16s have a tail hook or anything like that, but <clears throat> when they hit the arrest cable, it kind of slows it down. So it. Any and all damage is confined to the runway and doesn't careen off into like the terminal and shit. <coughs> so he 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 calls it in-flight emergency. He fi- he figures out his APU is not working, and then he starts getting a little bit of a like a, a banking on his left. So he starts doing counter or he's or he's sorry, it's to his right. So he starts doing a little bit of stick movements to counteract that, and he's noticing with his inputs the aircraft is still starting to pull to the right. So like none of his flight control inputs are registering to the aircraft. At that point, man, like that's like, Oh fuck moment. You know, yep. I, I would consider like, well, it, it, I've officially shat my pants. If my, if my uniform wasn't, it wasn't greenish Brown, you would totally see like a giant Brown stain <laughs> around me right now. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At least I would fuck. If you know, like you're, you're, you're jiggling, you're, putting inputs in the stick you're doing all kinds of stuff and it's not working it's not doing anything like well fuck <laughs> well this sucks so what he does do is he he has the landing gear down and and his speed brakes on so like if they do manage to land this thing they can inspect it and see what went wrong he was able to get the the landing gear down everything's locked and the speed brakes are on and all that but he's still having uncontrolled movements with the with the aircraft. And I want to say, what does it say? About 0.4 nautical miles from the runway. He loses all control and he, and he punches out. He punches out and then the aircraft goes, uh, goes nose in into an, uh, a warehouse. And it says at time of impact, the uh, aircraft engine was still on and a little f- impact fire uh, occurred because of the crash. Uh, there were some minor injuries for the warehouse personnel that were around. I don't think it was because the aircraft hit him. I think it was just because from the sheer shock of the aircraft crashing into the warehouse. But the pilot was fine. Like he ejected everything with the ejection or the egress system worked. Uh, He got kind of dragged a little bit from his parachute when it landed, but otherwise fine. Uh, It says from the damage just from the aircraft was about $24 million. Uh, Um, 25
1: mil if you round up and then... Four mil for the uh, environmental damage, right? I.e., the the mishap. It's uh, the the warehouse itself,
0: right? Now, can you imagine, man? Like when a just an aircraft crashing into anything, or even just hard landing on the deck. Like you got all sorts of fluids and hazardous materials that have to be cleaned up, and some of these, you know, they have to be disposed of a certain way. So, three million dollars for a hazmat cleanup and and collateral damage cleanup sounds about right.
1: Yeah, actually sounds probably less than I was expecting. I mean, consider, well, and also consider the cost uh, is is the way it is because there was no loss of life. I mean, um, this investigation would have gone on probably a lot longer than it did. And there'd probably be a few few maintainers in Leavenworth um, had there been loss of life. You know what I
0: mean? Right absolutely and especially for something as significant as a hydraulic failure I don't know but most of you guys out there but if like say I'm driving and I lose all control of the car like as far as my inputs my outputs and everything I'd be shitting myself and I wouldn't know what the fuck to do the fact that this pilot actually kept his composure and figured out how to punch out at least that's a major accomplishment and yeah it's
1: uh, it goes back to training right
0: Hmm. Goes right back to training. And most pilots in any field are, they, they rehearse this stuff a lot. And in some cases, that's part of their certification. Like what would you do in a situation like this? It would be a hydraulic failure, electrical failure, uh, loss of uh, flight control, you know, or like you got a stuck accelerator, like you can't slow the engine down or some shit like that. You know what I mean? So, when they when they actually cleaned it all up and they started doing the investigation for this thing, they found out that what caused the hydraulic failure was a servo actuator was sent to overhaul and depot maintenance. It was taken apart. It was cleaned. It was inspected good. And they put it back together. But when they installed it, they installed it incorrectly. And that's what eventually led to it being... Uh, to the um to the and hydraulic loss of,
1: failure loss of pressure yes yeah so it says uh improper installation of two hydraulic check valves in the right flapper on integrated servo actuator
0: Jesus now, now I can imagine d- d- when you're doing depot maintenance like this and you actually have to overhaul stuff there's a lot of things in there that you can't inspect once it's put together Uh, What's that? What's the word of it? Advanced stage of build. Like once it's past a, a certain stage of build, there's really no way to check other than doing an operations check on it. And if the operations check, if it's if depending on the intensity of the test, it may or may not indicate a failure. Right. So like, okay, whatever, it works, it's fine, move on. But I bet you, you know, like everyone involved in that process, they're probably like, "Oh fuck, dude!" Like, so. Were these check valves i'd have
1: to read down through i don't know if it says or not but were these check valves are those internal to the actual uh actuator so when you send when they sent them out for overhaul the depot facility installed them backwards internally during the overhaul process or were these check valves installed in reverse within the uh aircraft themselves and then next question being you know a lot of check valves at least the ones that i've seen they all have direction of flow arrows uh, cast into the metal themselves, Mm -hmm. or at least a sticker that says direction of flow. Okay. Um, Uh, uh, I wonder if those were there. And then also it's, I find it very interesting that um, I know in a lot of uh, aircraft design, it's, it's either two different style fittings or two different sizes through the check valve. Just, just, to make it impossible to reverse it's like a like the third fail safe or whatever but i guess uh if it's you know just normal check valve to shut off flow when when the aircraft's sitting idle and off um i guess i can see those being the same size too but yeah just curious i wonder if those were if those uh imprints and stamps and stickers and all that were there
0: so uh, to answer your question it goes each uh actuator has an integrated check valve which consists of a cap a screw threads retaining ring and an o-ring a post accident inspection revealed that the screw cap for the system a uh, integrated check valve was not seated properly into the body of the valve upon removal of the screw cap from the system a integrated connection or check valve the retaining the retainer was found to be permanently deformed at the ends of the cap from the from the check valve were spread apart as depicted in the picture. So it was, it was basically fucked up. It wasn't seated properly. And then with all that pressure running through, it basically fucked it up. And I guess like that flight was the final straw for that, uh that check valve to actually do its job.
1: Oh, how many flights did they have on it since installation? And let's see.
0: It had, you know, I'm trying
1: to read through this article too. So for those who are listening, Uh, We are reading the uh, investigation report uh, that the Air Force, uh, United States Air Force, put out about this. Uh, This report came out, I believe it was April of 2020.
0: Yeah, I don't think this is saying like how many hours it had since the overhaul. But it's basically saying like what caused it was there was a there's within the check valve itself. There's like these caps that are installed inside it and one and they weren't installed not fully seated into the check valve itself. And then this kind of goes back to the advanced stage of build. Like once it's in, you kind of can't tell if it's installed incorrectly until you test it. But if this was installed just good enough to pass like the visual inspection and the test, then like all's good, right? You can't tell other than intentionally trying to break it. But then again, like...
1: Well, or were they seated... And visually looked to be seated, but the minute you flowed hydrofluid through the check valve, it unseated those caps, and the caps got wedged sideways in in the orifice there where they reside, and then partially blocking, uh, which is why he had the fluctuations, right, mm-hmm. as it's moving around, and it finally got itself wedged enough in there that because I'm sure that system's probably re- running three thousand plus psi.
0: I mean, I, I'm sure with most uh, mil- most of them most hydraulic systems I know have usually run about 3000 plus.
1: Yeah. So it either blocked the line or, or somehow fought it out the system, right? If, if metal, whatever the material's made of metal or whatever, and it blocked up the system, um, and, and, you know, fought it out the hydro pump or whatever. But, uh, I wonder, um, if it just, it was there and it worked. And then after several cycles and, pulling G's and wh- all that kind of stuff. And then it just uh, finally blocked the system enough to where a quarter of the fluid's getting through and it's not enough to, not enough to move the a- uh, actuators under, under flight, flight characteristics under flight loads.
0: Right. Or, or what could have happened? It was like, since it, it's not fully seated when like, but it's wedged in there just enough. And then when it finally failed, right, the cap pops off and then all that pressure just starts flow or it just freely flowing with no amount of actual pressure to give it. And then, and that's what, and then just starts leaking and all that starts giving itself its drop. And then that's what resulted in the crash. That's one way of putting it. We weren't there. We don't have the, the full analysis of it all. We only have like the report of what it said, like the summary of incident and then what their findings were when they actually did, um, figure out what's wrong. Um, So right here, right here,
1: it says, uh, it's just doing some more reading. um, Hy- hydraulic pressure gauges and noted low pressure hydraulic system A, uh, the aircraft's dual hydraulic system initially noticed fluctuations between 1500 and 2000 psi, but as the flight progressed, the pressure fluctuated between 1000 and 2000 psi, and the normal operating pressure is 3100 psi.
0: Jeez. Um, yeah. So, like, yeah, So yeah, like, so it goes from, it's supposed to normal operate normally between 3,000 and 3,100, and then it drops to 1,000 to 900. Like, ooh, like,
1: we're having some problems. But I was also noticing, um, you know, this happened in California, right? And um, do you want to say where it happened? I mean, anybody can pull up the report, so it's not like we're...
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, so, like, this actually happened by March Air Force Base in California in Riverside. So, um weather could have possibly been a factor too you know going from whatever their training area was to back in california that could have been a fluctuation in weather and that could maybe
1: but typically we have pretty good weather out here but it said he they the pilot initially noticed cockpit warnings or received cockpit warnings out over palm springs uh so you know initially i guess my one of my questions is 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 why why not emergency land in palm springs i've worked at palm springs i've seen fighters land there before there's several other small airports around there i mean why not why not play it safe and and just emergency land there and then you're sending a road crew down to figure it out you know
0: yeah um they for all for all we know that's probably they could have probably done it or they he didn't Uh, Notice all of it at that time or he was just probably traveling that fast and he passed it before he had a chance to really analyze the gauges and stuff who knows right and the good part was is the 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 pilot lived and probably lived to fly another day you know it just it just sucks because a we lost you lost an aircraft and b destroyed a building which potentially could have had a whole bunch of people in it
1: well yeah how fortunate that there was minimal or no people in there and whoever was in there weren't in the middle of the warehouse. Like I don't know if you guys have seen the pictures at all, but it's like four walls and no roof. Like it just like it like it was laid out over top of the warehouse and dropped straight in. Right. Just took out the whole roof but left four walls. So fortunate that nobody was in the middle of the warehouse floor, you know, at that time. Yep. Um to uh so that's just just uh very very fortunate on that end.
0: Very fortunate. And the good part is, is like no human life was lost, which is the biggest thing. I mean, yeah, aircraft, aircraft loss is terrible. Like money wise, it's terrible, but let's be real, man. Like you'll be having an answer for human lives is way more involved than explaining how you destroyed $24 million worth of an airplane. And this all goes back to show, like, since they found out that this was a maintenance related issue, like the. The check valves weren't installed correctly. That goes to show, like, all it takes is just a simple oversight, like from dotting an i to crossing a t, or just like, yeah, it's good enough. It can have such profound impacts, right? And mm-hmm. and just going with the check valve, right? Oh, it's seated enough. It works, right? Or it passed the test. It works, right? Well, so section five here
1: of this doc of this uh, report is maintenance, right? And the first thing they went to we've said 100 times before is forms and documentation mm-hmm. and they did a 30 day review of the uh, 781s and for those who don't know the 781s are the uh forms to which the United States Air Force uses to document all maintenance uh, being performed and then they also have a uh another system called IMDS mm-hmm. which is uh like the electronic database um and then the historical records for the aircraft um, but they did a 30-day review of both of those systems and found uh, no recurring issues. So um, kind of a one-off thing, right? If they go through and like, hey, there's been every other flight that somebody's writing up the hydra system here, and every every time you guys wrote CND, what the hell's up with that? You know?
0: Hmm. Yeah, that that goes um, back to a lot of stuff we've been talking about. Where it says could not duplicate, du- could not duplicate, no fault found, could not duplicate that adds up, especially when it comes to an investigation. And this is exactly what we're talking about here when MVP first mentioned it. Like, the first thing they're going to look at is all the forms. Did you uh, dot your I's, cross your T's? Did you sign off everything correctly? Any little thing is going to get nitpicked, and whoever was the person who originated that write-up is going to get quizzed fucked to no end. Yep.
1: That's why I say kill it with information, man. Uh, Put in there enough information that uh, whoever reads that, even if they've never seen an aircraft in their life, they could read the work you did, understand it, and know what you perform that in accordance with. Right? Yes. Like just, just oh, I mean, kill it with information. I that that I I will stand by that. That's how I was trained. Um, I know not everybody does it because I go through forms reviews now, and I want to scream half the time <laughs> because it looks like a four year old the inputs and it's just it's terrible like yes. i said if i if something happened you know with with where i'm at at work i mean i'm i would go through the forms of like you're all you're all buried you know what i mean mm-hmm. you're going to like you you just you didn't give me enough information i can't i can't determine if you did it right or wrong um yeah it's just bad news so, so you gotta be you gotta be savvy and squared away on your paperwork like i said we, and i know six has said it a whole bunch and i've said it uh, but your documentation is literally half the job uh, if not more because of redundancy issues and whatever else but i mean leave no gaps leave no gaps in the work that you've done
0: yep and especially when it comes to something like an investigation you did a job days weeks months ago and then here comes the incident today and they're starting to quiz fuck you on it and like well, fuck! I don't remember what I did today, and you want me to right. remember shit that I did
1: days, months, yeah. weeks ago. The the only thing you have to fall back on is the forms and documentation. Right. That's it. That's all you have.
0: Right. And then say like, "Well, I followed the main the manuals and stuff." Like, where does it say that on your write up? And yeah, you know. And and, and, and sometimes you know, uh, some investigators are a little bit more enthusiastic than they should be because they're just trying to get to the truth, and sometimes they they get a little cloudy as far as how they get that, that information. So sometimes, you know, they'll, they'll, in, they'll instigate doubt in yourself, right? And then just that little shade of doubt is is all it takes. We're like, fuck, did I do that? You know, uh, did I check? Did I make sure I check everything right? Was it really leaking? Well, maybe that little thing right there, that's what caused it. Or that was an indication of it, right? And you start doubting every little thing you've done and and every little thing that you potentially could or could not have done. And it ju- and it just creates this whirlwind of anxiety for both of you, for the people doing the investigation and the ones being investigated. Like, fuck, did I right? And then and then say like what MVP was saying. Like, if we're gonna burn you because you didn't put enough information, so now you're in a sling, thinking that you killed somebody or you broke something uh, expensive, and then then this thing releases. Oh, it was it wasn't your guys' fault. It was way back at Depot. Someone just forgot to put a screw on or some shit. You know. The, the relief that the, the relief of guilt was gone, but all that shit that went through it f- up until you found it out, that's not going to go away. You know, like, Oh fuck. You know?
1: Like, yeah. I mean, I, I hope nobody out there has ever been under investigation, be it by the military or FAA or whatever your governing. Uh, you know, flying authority is in the country you reside, but I can tell you I've been under and, and, you know being more experienced now and seeing other investigations go underway but i was involved in one years ago um, probably only been in the industry 7 years at that time so i mean been in a decent amount but never in an in investigation and and my mine was not a crash the aircraft didn't even taxi uh, something was discovered on a walk around and man they pulled they threw the red flags they threw you know, the air crew through the red flags and all that stuff. And we got called up and I was the last person to touch that bird the night before. Um, fortunately, uh, you know, because I was the last person to touch it, I was immediately under investigation. And the fortunately for me, the system that was under investigation was not a system I was called out to work on, but I only had the forms and documentation to back up that claim right Mm -hmm. and so they had to research and go turns out the system that was in question had been worked on by another another company two days prior uh in another location and it was just noticed you know on this walk around by this air crew so uh again fortunate but like i said you know that's why you have to have excellent documentation because um it, it in many cases like mine. That's the only thing that was saving me because I'm telling you they were ready. To, I they were ready to burn me.
0: hmm Absolutely. And again, the the diligence of making sure you're doing the job right. Like again, there's certain aspects of the job that get very boring, very tedious, very repetitive. And you kind of just get you get complacent with it, right? Like oh, I don't need to grease this point, or I don't need to check this line because it's never bad, right? And then once you start falling into that mentality, that's when the shit happens, right? And then that's when they're going to start asking you like, well, did you check it? Or did you do this? Did you do X, Y, Z? And then he's like, yeah, yeah, I did it. And But you did it in such a way that wasn't very, um, not investigative, what the hell is the word? Like you, you weren't very thorough with it, right? You just kind of breezed through it because you know, you, for all of your experience, it's never gone bad. It's never looked bad. It's never had a tendency to be bad. So, like, ah, eh, whatever, it's fine. But this is the kind of stuff we mean. Like the, the simple little things, even the boring things can have such profound impacts. Now, does this mean like work work through everything with a fine-tooth comb? No. But just exercise some like, diligence. Like just make sure, like if you're going through a checklist or if you're going through a procedure that you've thoroughly understood what you gotta do, and you have at least exercised a little bit of precaution and 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 conciseness with your job to do it right. Because like you say, like when it comes down to the forums and you don't know, you don't rec- recollect everything that happened, you'll start having that shade of doubt, like, fuck did I?
1: <laughs> yeah, and and that's a, a horrible place to be in. So let's see here. Um it says four months before the incident, uh do to, to, to the actuators were overhauled at Hill Air Force Base out in Utah. Um and then they just did on-site ops testing before returning to the actual aircraft itself. So they probably have a little test test cell up there or whatever that they do. They hook it up and run it through the gambit. Um but due to the it says here due to the significant amount of hydrofluid uh in the accident from that right flapper on uh you know they had to go and do further investigation. Uh, so it says the uh, overhaul consists of disassembly, solvent wash, and inspection of parts for serviceability. Uh, upon completion of inspection and appropriate parts replacement, it was reassembled, sent for testing to validate operational integrity, and a series of automated tests run to ensure part reliability. So there we go, right? So we go like, well, did the guys install and not opt check it? Well, they. I'm sure they did, as the forms would indicate, but if you go even back to the depot level, there's additional checks in there. So sometimes these things don't show their heads till several actuations later or several flight hours later or whatever else. It's not always so immediate.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yeah, and they even go into the training of the overhaul of the overhaul uh, technicians. Mm -hmm. So when you when you look at these investigations, right, like six said, you know, they're not saying go through with a super fine tooth comb, but know this, that it should have semi fine teeth because the accident investigation board will be will be going through that with like blue whale teeth, you know, (laughs) that fine and close together. Like nothing's going to get missed, you know,
0: right? It it only goes in and doesn't come out. (laughs) Yeah, they're going to be
1: digging into stuff that you you won't even think of.
0: Right. And, and, and that these are actual questions like, was this person trained to do this job? Is this, this the first time? Is this his fifth time? Is this his 500th time? Right. And then they start asking, they'll, they'll even go as far as asking, like, what's the background of the person, right? Like, how were you raised? Did you grow up with, with with brothers and sisters? Shit like that. Like, this is a little bit extreme, but they can do that. Right. And the reason why they do that is like, like, what, what was your mindset? They're trying to build that profile of what was your mindset at the time you did your job, right?
1: Uh, Right. They'll even look into it. Like for my specific instance, right. They looked into uh, what my work and life work life and personal life relationships were. They would dig into if I had any, uh, you know, did I have any uh, beef with any coworkers, my boss, whoever, you know, what, again, like six said, what was the mindset when I came in that day? Did the, did the wife and I, uh, get into a, 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 fight and I was just pissed off the whole time performing this maintenance that I actually didn't do, you know, um, all, all that kind of stuff. It's like, and you're like six said, you'll start second guessing yourself going, did we have a fight? I know we couldn't decide on what we were going to eat that day. Uh, but I don't think it was a fight. It was just a couldn't decide who wanted pizza and who wanted tacos, you know? Right. Um, but they will dig into all that. They will dig into all that stuff because they're also going, you know, what's their motivation behind what you did? Did you do this on purpose? This is a sabotage. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's deemed sabotage and everything else, like there's definitely going to be repercussions. I minimal probably losing your license. Uh, your a license, at least here in the States, that is.
0: Yep. And all that stuff gets flagged through whatever system that your aviation authority is. Like so-and-so had an uh, a major incident slash accident on his or her record and he, wa- he or she was responsible. <sighs> that is pretty much blacklisting you for a lot of shit, right? So again, with that one, uh, this second story that we were talking about, it involves another military-style aircraft. And this one was probably... It, it's, it's very debatable if the incident was deliberate not deliberate, but like they knew it could have happened, or if it was just like the the weather was just really playing against them that day. And this one was a B two bomber in Anderson Air Force Base in Guam. So the the incident goes like this: aircraft was about to uh, taxi to do a flight, and then within seconds of it, it starting to roll out on the runway, it uh, it started to get like uh, air pressure fault, and then this thing. Starts careen- like, um, let's see, let me just read the summary of the accident. After engine started, the aircraft continued. We have aircraft checklists. The crew chief updated the weight and weight and CG. The air data calibration procedures were designed to allow maintenance crews to correct any fluctuations, which there were none. Uh, when the air data was accomplished, the aircraft uh, started to do its its takeoff procedures and then, approximately 19 seconds after brake release, the master caution light illuminated with an FCS caution on the status display. Seconds later, the, the pilot in command observed associated air data faults with the system. And almost immediately, the flight control fault indications went away. And everything suggested that it was fine. As the aircraft started to proceed through the takeoff, the air data system became fully operational as function and airspeed threshold and static logic. Um, Let's see. When the nose wheel lifted off the deck, they initiated the takeoff procedures. The the aircraft started to get, uh, again, another airspeed fault. And then the aircraft started to go nose up. And the aircraft lifted off with the air data computations and then started to lose its aircraft data with the airspeed and altitude indications uh, loss as well as longitudinal and directional stability of the plane were degraded the aircraft goes tumbling back down onto the runway so <laughs> this goes into yeah. a this goes into a whole different system so we're talking hydraulic now we're talking about air management I mean not air management air data so it, almost every aircraft in the world has like a air data system which is usually with pitot static uh to a pedostatic system where, like, air comes in, it registers it register a, a reading, and again, sends it to a computer, and the computer figures out or gives you indications of where you need to go and what you need to do. And some more advanced aircraft, it has uh, a computer that calculates all those inputs for you, so you're not there doing inputs the entire flight, right? And there's a uh, pedostatic system also gives you your airspeed, your altitude, your your ascent, your descent, your rate of ascent, descent, things of that nature. To, yeah.
1: And so just to let everyone know kind of how important that is for an aircraft to fly, the same thing uh, happened when that one flight went into the river, oh, a number of years ago um, in the wintertime. Was it New York or I think it went to the to the river in New York, it took off out of JFK or something like that. They did a movie on it, but essentially the, the pedo static system froze over. It was in the middle of winter. And so no air readings could be had. So oftentimes what will happen uh, with these, when they're sitting in line waiting to take off, you're getting the jet blast of the one in front of you. So uh, air crew will sometimes turn off the pedo static heat uh, and just let the hot air from the exhaust in front of you, you know, keep everything melted off and then they forgot to turn it back on and everything froze over. So bad things happen, but uh, you know, even, even like this one in Guam though, I don't think anything has ever frozen in Guam. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's still very much important to, to uh, have pedostatics clear because even if you're in a high humidity location, and, and, you know, okay, I don't need my pedostatic heat here on the ground. If I forget to turn that on and I go to altitude, well, it will freeze at altitude if there's any moisture in there.
0: Right. And it was the Hudson River, by the way. So, yes, it was in New oh, York. there you go. And it, yeah. it water landed in the Hudson River. <laughs> I mean, kudos for them for even being able to water land like that. Most cases, anything that has to do with water landing, some bad shit is going to happen, right? Especially depending on how shallow the water landing is. This one in particular, when they did the investigation or the post incident investigation, uh, well, I'll back up a little bit. So when it did crash, both pilots were able to punch out, and one of them was- you can fo- punch out of a B two, yeah, yeah, really, yeah. Well, they, at least i what, learned something new. Today. Is what this article says. Like they pun- they they punched out. Uh, the first pilot, he was fine, no injuries. The second one, he had a uh, he had his spine compressed because of the ejection seat. Now anyone who's ever been a part of an of, a, of an egress of that nature can tell you that punching out of a plane is not a fun experience. And I want to say there's only so many times you can do an ejection seat egress because of two, the, Two, yeah. And the reason why it's two is because your spine can only take so much force and then when that force is shooting you straight up, you're essentially compressing your spine into itself. And after the second one, you'll possibly sever your... Some major important nerves in there, and possibly die, or be paralyzed for life, whichever comes first. Yep. But yeah, so be uh, pilots and B twos can punch out, which is crazy. I didn't believe it myself until I read this article here. <laughs> and then, uh, what caused the incident was exactly with the pedostatic with the moisture. So Guam and any other Pacific island is very humid, and moisture builds up in. Any place it can find itself. And especially with the pedostatic system. Anyone who's ever worked with pedostatic systems or air data systems knows for a fact that you can't have moisture in the sta- in pedostatic system. Because all this stuff is pressurized. It's just like your brake system in your car. It's either all water or it's either all fluid or all air. It can't have both. And... This is exactly what happens. So this thing's meant to have only air pressure. Moisture gets in. Moisture accumulates. It fucks up the air data. It starts throwing faults. And in this one's case, the aircraft thinks it's not supposed to be where it is or it's 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 supposed to be higher than what it is. It goes low, goes nose up. It has fluctuation and then goes nose down. So, you know, again, this just shows like the the little things can lead to such profound impacts. Now, is there a whole lot of indication that you can tell if there's uh like if the pedostatic system is dirty. Probably not. Right? Other than the fluctuating air data. Yeah other than
1: yeah other than your fluctuating data that you're getting in there.
0: Right. Which is why it's all so important and I pilots and ground crews alike always forget this is putting the pedostatic covers when the aircraft is not not in flight. Or vice versa, they forget to take it off when the aircraft's in flight. So, uh, is it gonna do a whole lot? Probably not, but it's gonna limit it. It's gonna limit how much moisture gets into the system than just it being naked. So, again, there's like the simple, most repetitive steps could have such as boring as they are. They're there for a reason. Uh, Let's see here on the rest of this. um, So, what's interesting back to
1: the Doc Forms documentation? um, Not all of like all their, you know, everything was in compliance. Except they did notice that not all red ball maintenance uh, was was uh, input into the air, aircraft documentation. Mm. Um, only sometimes they were put in there. So that's that's another interesting. So so for those who don't know, red balls after engine start, typically the aircraft already taxied out, it's sitting at the uh, end of the runway, ready for takeoff, and there's uh, a warning light of some type and. Uh, you run down there to basically try to fix it, fix it on the spot so it can still take off and meet its mission, uh, depending on the severity of whatever it is that they they get their warning light from.
0: Yep. And so, like, yeah, just that little things, you you think like, ah, this is no big deal. Like, we don't need to do a red ball inspection or red ball write ups or end of runway inspections or write ups. But these matter. And again, inspect the inspection team when they come in to do an investigation, they will nitpick everything everything and and again like these are very small but extreme maintenance uh failures but it just shows like the littlest things could have the most impact heck frick uh a paperclip can crash an airplane if you if you throw it in there just right now is that's kind of an exaggeration but it 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 just it can right i've seen Aircraft suck up whole freaking geese and then they come out just fine.
1: (laughs) But Yeah, they didn't realize they ingested a goose, you know what I mean?
0: Yep. But a finely placed paperclip or a finely placed any kind of material or debris at the right place at the wrong time can turn into a fault incident or can lead to a significant systems failure, right? Depending on what the system is and what its redundancies are or something as even small as just clearing the bit on avionics equipment. Like if you don't clear the bit, then it's gonna fuck itself up, right? Mm-hmm. So again, again, like it's I can't we can't beat this up enough about just how like simple maintenance tasks, where no matter how small or repetitive or boring they may be, they they can have some pretty mean consequences.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll say one thing. I've, I'm kind of. Impressed with out of both of these articles is that nobody was found to have overdue training. Nobody was found uh, to be doing improper work. Everything was properly properly documented, so to speak. Um, you know, none of that was none of that was found. I'm 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 pretty impressed by that. Whoever is running the show for those two units definitely were. Excuse me. Were on their uh, on their people.
0: Yep. Right. And usually you hear some stuff like that, like all this person, like he went to work drunk or he had, he was under the influence of something. Right. Or it was his first time doing a major uh, task like this, something to that effect. Right. Almost every other incident we knew of have something to that effect. Like the pilot didn't get enough sleep. The maintainer didn't get enough sleep. So-and-so was under the influence. So-and-so never been trained on this before. We hear a multitude of those, but these ones in particular, they're spot on. So. Uh, other than the fact that a simple glance over of procedure or a glance over of of a task slipped through the cracks. Besides from that, they were pretty pretty spot on, right? You can't just go blaming. We can't blame down to the very minuscule about this is exactly your fault and you should be fired for this because, for all intents and purposes, anyone could have made these mistakes, right? Like, oh, yeah. there's many a times where like, oh, it's a it's an error data fault. Press the clear and it goes away. Oh, it's fine. Or, or, like, say, a filter uh, a clog indicator pops. So I just reset it back in, reset check next filter, flight. Yep. You know, check next flight. If it doesn't pop, it's fine, right? But you never know if that that one time you reset the pop, that that was the one to really indicate a major fault. You just don't know, right? But, uh, and then for indications like that, you would have to refer to the manual as, what is the the next step? Like, okay, I reset the filter uh, pop or... I cleared the system or whatever the case may be. What's the next step? And the next step says, check next flight, whatever, check next flight. Right. So, and if that flight so happens to be the incident, like, well, well, we found out real fast what that one's going to be. But as far as you're concerned, you followed procedures, all your documentations in line, all your trainings in line, you got no extenuating circumstance that could have led to you to make anything, but the right decision at the time, then there's really not much you can do.
1: Yeah. Don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to question it either. Right. If it's you the one signing it off, I know it's military can be difficult or whatever um, to say no due to ranks and all that kind of stuff and, and getting pressure and you want to do a good job. But uh if you've noticed something where they're like, Hey, just go ahead and, you know, press to clear. And you're like, well, yeah, but this is the third instance in two weeks, you know, maybe there's something more. Mm-hmm. No, just press to clear and move on. Like, cool, you sign that off then. I'm not I'm not signing that off. Right. You could be threatened to lose rank and whatever else, but uh I, I was not prior military, so I don't know that pressure, but I would say I'd rather I'd rather lose rank than be sitting in Leavenworth for for two guys who two pilots who were killed due to negligence or poor maintenance or whatever, you know.
0: Right. And some kind of, sometimes you guys might hear something like uh nothing stops operations or nothing stops progression, nothing stops production, nothing stops manufacturing. Whatever you've probably heard something along the combination of those words. When you hear something like that, that's when the re- the the black flags start coming out. Red and yeah, black red flags. F-
1: red flags everywhere. You like. know, like
0: time out. No. <laughs> First of all, that's wrong. And yep. two, the procedure says to do XYZ, and you're doing something completely different. We need to t- we need to cease everything and take this up a notch. And if you're yeah, starting. Cool.
1: So we're going to go until someone gets hurt or something, someone gets injured or something is damaged. Awesome. Right on. Right. Thank God we're making forward progress though. Until then, to which all the progress that we air quotes made, we're now 45, 5,000 steps behind. So awesome. Great. Yep.
0: Yeah. And like MVP said, like, don't be afraid to question it. If something looks shady, You may get make fun of because you brought up an issue, but hey, sometimes that that little head scratcher could be the one that saved somebody's life or you you
1: know what? And and also, uh, if you're getting that kind of pressure from whoever uh, and nobody in your own realm wants to back you up and they're telling you just to sign it off, I'd be like, okay, cool. And then I'd find your closest quality rep and just go, hey. I'm hearing and seeing some of this and then let them run with it
0: mm-hmm. or even your safe your safety board right depending on what yeah. it is quality sure safety when it comes to something like that, like something very critical, they're almost hand in hand walking this to walking this down the line now, and they'll do their own reports and say so and so said this and told me to go fuck myself that when that gets documented on their side of the house, now they have a case right now where that yeah. goes, who knows Right. And some agencies take that to certain levels of severity and to each their own process. But never be afraid to question it, even if it makes you look like the idiot. Like it's better to call, I, co- I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, I, I, yeah, it's better to call knock it off and, and hold up and stop production and, and miss critical uh, timelines than to be responsible for the guy who isn't on the floor with you anymore. He's in a wheelchair stuck at the desk doing paperwork for the rest of his life because uh, nobody wanted to say stop.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Now, I don't want that on my conscience. I tell you that right now, like, like I, I it's bad enough getting calls in the night, you know, Hey, uh, just this is going through the notification uh, list here. letting you know, we had uh, an incident. Oh my God, what happened? Well, um, you know, the, Doors broken. We can't open them. Oh, okay. Did any, anybody get hurt? Somebody stuck in the door. What happened? No, just the motor shit out. Oh, fair enough. You know, cool. Call facilities. Move on. Right. Um, I'd rather you know, rather that, or they call and say, I come in the next day and say, you know, we missed the mission because so and so said stop. Okay. Well, what was the situation? Well, we were, we. Were, you make them admit, like, well, we were trying to do some shady shit, and your people said no. Sounds good. What's the issue? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, we, we can't stop production. Well, are we going to stop when somebody gets killed? Right. I bet you will. Then somebody's going to make you stop and it's going to be way higher than me.
0: Right. It's either, it's either we stop on our own accord, or CNN is going to tell us to stop, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Or, or, or or, yeah. And and now you're, you're in jail. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) what, what, what are we doing here?
0: Right. And then you, you guys hearing this like wow this sounds very extreme like it can be it very well can be so it that's why it can
1: be super extreme.
0: Yeah so it's it's one of those like you got to do what you got to do you got to do what you need to do to to make sure everything is is T's crossed and eyes dotted and all that and a, and to C Y A CYA yourself. Fuck. That's another big one. Well, um any other further to closing thoughts on this one MVP? No,
1: I think we've kind of covered our ends of it. Again, we're fortunate with both of these articles and incidents that Um, it was only asset damage and no personnel, uh, long-term injury or loss of life. Um, you know, it's bad when it happens, but trying to look at the silver linings to everything, Mm -hmm. uh, assets can be rebuilt or replaced, uh, personnel cannot.
0: Right. Absolutely. Now, if you, if you're listening to this and you have a story of your own about a certain mechanical failure or missed maintenance procedure that, that led to, a significant amount of damage or an incident, please let us know. Send us a line, shoot us a DM. Let us know one of these stories. It if it's released, okay. If you guys can tell us this, right? Like, um, or if you got in such a way where like it's uh it's something where it's a lesson learned that everyone should know about. That that I should probably say that too. Like, if it's a lesson learned that everyone can use, please by all means send us your send us your story. Yeah, let, or
1: let's put that out to the masses so everybody can be aware.
0: Yep, like. Do not plug in this thing, this three-phase prong into a 4 phase outlet, <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> That's extreme, but I'm just saying, you know, like one of those do lessons. Do service
1: oxygen system with nitrogen. Do not substitute hydrofluid for engine
0: oil. That one, it, it still blows my mind, man, because they're for one, they're two I, totally different colors. I, I
1: think about it all the
0: time. Like, like how, how do you <laughs> mess that up?
1: I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, it's almost impressive.
0: <laughs> um, again, send it, if you got a story, send it to us. And on that note, everybody, thanks again for listening. And we'll catch you next time. All right. See you, everyone. Bye. We'd like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to continue to make episodes, maintain our gear, and create merch for all of our listeners with special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Ryan Freshour, Dan Schubert, Jenny Dignan, and the ladies of the Dick Talk and Mimosas podcast. Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. Visit our shop at cancelformainness.com and grab some swag to show off both your support for us and your prowess as an aircraft technician. If you have ideas for the show or you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit our contact us section and send us a line. We will do what we can to get your ideas or yourself on the show. You can also follow us on social media such as on Facebook, At Cancel for Maintenance, Instagram at Kanks, that's C A N X for Maintenance Podcast, or on Twitter at CXMX Podcast. Check out some of our affiliates like Rockwell Time, where they make both rugged and classy watches to fit your lifestyle. Use the code CX4MX and save 10% off your purchase. Support us on Patreon. Our patrons get exclusive perks such as access to our Discord discounts and early access to merch, special patron-only episodes, and so much more. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.